What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new Meet the Player episode. Last but not least, and hopefully the last for the remainder of the story of the Utopia podcast, at least for this story, I have Daniel, aka Morgus, aka, should I say the last name? Am I allowed to say the last name? Of course you are. Hedral Weird Smith. That's me. <laughs> Might be last, but I'm certainly the most fashionable of the bunch. <laughs> um, well, cool. Welcome. Um, Thank you. Listeners, you have seen Daniel in gameplay for weeks now. Um, but, you know, lives are busy yeah. and things happen. And it took <laughs> holidays to be able to record this, which is totally yeah. fine. Um, cool. We can dive right in. And the first question is... Honestly, mm-hmm. the least important question of the podcast, and that is, how did you get into to tabletop games and oh, wow. D&D? Okay, that is not a short story, but I'll sum <laughs> it up as best as I can. Uh, I had an old college buddy who I, I kind of watched him get really, really into D&D, hmm. right? And I, I, I've been working in the city I work in for like the last five, six years now. Um, and before I moved into the city, I lived about an hour away. Um, but then I finally moved up here and I was so close to where that old college buddy lived um, that they were, uh, that he and his uh, then girlfriend were my friends, they, they were my, the, the seed of my social sphere outside of coworkers, you know, and as close as I may be to some of my coworkers there, there's still that coworker vibe that mm-hmm. s- sometimes you just never break past into yeah. like hanging out outside of work. So he did D and D so much. And I was like, maybe I'll try it someday, yeah. this or that. And then, um, there were a couple of coworkers. I, I started a new job, um, and then eventually moving up here changed uh, changed the dynamic enough that I've, I finally could hang out easily instead of living an hour away. And one thing led to another, and a couple of coworkers and I decided to learn D&D with this old college buddy of mine um, who had ended a campaign and needed a new group, and he was happy to teach us to play, and that's that's what we uh decided to take on um a couple of the people in that original D group i still play D with and have for the last three years almost more i'm not sure how long it's probably been at least two and a half to three years with, yeah. with those people but um one thing just led to another i i as a person i'm uh, all the things i'm nerdy about have a common thread of epic stories and worthy characters and character growth. Um, D&D just uh, turned out to be the perfect um, storm of what I love so much as someone who is just nerdy in general by personality. Um, I, I, I consider myself a storyteller um, as well. That's what I love to do, um, but it's also a creative outlet. You know, I was a musician for 13 years of my life and after moving to Wisconsin to finish college and this and that and the other thing, I just 
didn't pursue music ever again. And then D&D happened and that creative outlet, I, I could finally let that flow again in my life. So it was, it was mm. also a lot of self care that kind of got me as involved as I am. Um, and then just getting to share, you know, eventually progressing to learning how to DM and then getting to share uh, my own cre creativity and, and with, with other people and, and watch theirs bloom in my own setting that that's the magic that I live for. Yeah. So it's really, Amazing. I, I know I just did um, Liz's Meet the Player as well. And we touched a little bit on not like formal playing of D&D &D to heal trauma, but like trauma healing that just inadvertently sure. happens through D&D mm -hmm. as like this mechanic for this. Um, yeah, it, it's a very cathartic. Honestly, my own personal theory about why healing happens whether it's intended or not is that it's, it's the human interaction and it's the connection mm. that happens. You know, it's, it's also the suspension of disbelief when you get to, you, you, when you create a character, um, you give them a quandary, mm -hmm. right? Like this is their backstory and this is their mission or their goal, or they don't have that. This is kind of their coming of age story. Right. There's all these different basis bases. Um, there's a different basis upon which you can build any given character and then putting them in a campaign setting and watching them grow, especially when you put a little bit of yourself into that character. That's kind of where that happens. Uh, uh, with the vehicle being that human interaction with the group and the group storytelling. Yeah. So, that's, Absolutely. That's my own view of that. <laughs> For sure. What what was your first character? Oh gosh. Uh she was a dwarf, actually. A war domain cleric named Iorunen, which I, I I stole that name directly uh from a character that I loved in, I believe, the third in book of the Inheritance Cycle Brisinger by Christopher Paolini. Um yeah. She's written with this flirtatious affect for a dwarf. Mm -hmm. Like she flirts with Aragon and she like winks at him. And there's just so much character in this minor individual that comes in through the story in this mm -hmm. one part and then she leaves. But it, she never left me. Yeah. Like I've, I was just fascinated. I'm like, Iorunen, I want, <laughs> I want this character. So that was, she was my, uh, my first, uh, the inspiration for my first character. That's really funny i did not know that until just mm -hmm. now um yep. i also didn't know who liz's first character was until her interview we all three our first characters were clerics gotta love the class which is crazy hers gotta was also a dwarf cleric mine was a half work war more domain cleric Ooh, um, that's a good one so that's just really interesting <laughs> i wonder I why i think people are just like I don't really understand this game, but healing people, buffing seems like <laughs> a cool thing to do, you know? Yeah. I remember wanting to be a dwarf because I thought being a dwarf was unconventional, mm. you know? And I was like, I could be an <laughs> elf or a human or this or that or that thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a dwarf. I'm going to, I'm going to be a dwarf badass warrior lady, Hi, you know? And uh, I thought that was a violin in the background. No, that was my cat, Lily. <laughs> it was very like tonal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I haven't seen like a race stat breakdown in a while, 
from mm-hmm. like D and D Beyond, but I'm pretty sure dwarves are like the most popular, right? I think so. Like, yeah. I, I, if you have, if you've met someone who has never played a dwarf, I think of, of any kind of any class, I think that's a rarity. Really, you I've are played, the exception. I've never played a dwarf as like a PC. I've obviously played dwarves as NPCs. Yeah, yeah. Myth is still mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah. So talk to me about Morgus and the inspiration behind this little dwarf wizard friend. Oh my gosh. Well, one thing I should say just off the bat is that Morgus is the first wizard I have ever played. Not not just um I think I, I think <laughs> you hear that? I do hear her. <laughs> Lily, what um, do you want? <laughs> but Mor- Morgus, like, like I've, I, I have spellcasters as NPCs in my world, and and there are wizards, but I haven't fully developed one of those, like based on the class. Um, because I when when I develop an NPC, I take into account the the mechanic of their spellcasting and how that feeds into their role in the world, you know, um, whether it's a certain subclass of druid or an artificer, this or that, like they are placed in their function based on the mechanics of their spellcasting. Um, and Morgus is the first wizard I have ever played. Um, and, and where I am actually getting to know the class, um, especially as I level up. And I've wanted to play a wizard for a long time, but I started uh, looking at the different subclasses and this and that and the other thing. And time just went on and on and on and more subclasses were added. Um, And I knew that I, with this particular class, it it had to be the right one. Mm. That I wasn't just going to dive in with any old wizard. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to play um, an evocation wizard in, in a random one shot. Something about the class to me said I need to. It caught my attention in the right way that I needed to honor. What my gut told me about the class, um, which which I guess is kind of a weird thing. because I haven't really felt that with other classes before, um, but then. Uh, the Graviturgy and Chronergy classes came out and I went, okay, those are really, really cool. Um, and the opportunity to play a wizard also came up with uh, being on the podcast. And I went, okay, maybe, maybe this is that time to put this class in, uh, in a campaign. But I, I, like, I, I initially was going to play Mern, uh, mm-hmm. in the campaign and who, who is, uh, my my little cobalt artificer who was in Ha Ho Ho and a Bottle of Rum. And I love Mern. Mern has quickly become one of my favorite characters to play at any table. Mm-hmm. You know, because Mern, Mern is a personality that I can just react to. Mern's kind of my one-shot character. Like with yeah. a new group of people, that's who I that's where I throw Mern in. But and you were like, I would empower you to play something new that you've never done before. And I went, Well, that's wizard. So here we go. Um and I also, something that is significant for Morgus is the dice palette that I made. Because um, the, the the three sets um, are from a maker called Emerald Sun Dice. Um, one of them was my first ever set from, and they're this beautiful blue and gold set. Um, and th- they're called Enchanter's Apprentice. And mm. I have this white and gold set called um, Celestial Cloudscape, I think. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. 
Um, but then there was another one called uh, Eternal Wellspring. <laughs> and so like the names of those helped and, and, and the color palette and just the way the designs work together, I went, I think I know who this person is just by mm. looking at these dice. Um, I thought about, okay, cool. Who is this person? How do they materialize and, and what are they? And this phrase kind of just popped into my head um, it's when, when thinking about the chronergy abilities and this, that, and I thought this wizard is a man out of time, mm. you know, and, and I went, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I, 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 I know what that means. Um, there's a few things that it could mean. It's a very uh, open-ended phrase. And I went, okay, I'm going to play with that. And then I pitched you my idea mm-hmm. of this person who shows up at the court. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I even went into detail about the, I, I essentially put myself into that position of someone who just shows up at the court and has to uh, relearn a lot of things. The, I mean, I, I even went into so much detail as thinking um, like Morgus's flavor is very specific, mm-hmm. you know, after I pitched the idea to you, I went, oh, wow. Cause uh, you kind of, uh, essentially connected the, the, the pitch to your world and where that would be grounded. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I want to play with, <laughs> I want to play with that and give Morgus an extremely unique flavor, even for your world. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's just a lot that Morgus can uncover. Oh man. So many things about Morgus that I just want to talk <laughs> to you about because they're yeah. in my brain, but then that takes Please. away the surprise. Mm, that's fair. Well, cool. We are at the random question portion okay. of the interview. Sure. So I have to ask, I've asked everyone this. What is Morgus's favorite food? I think Morgus has like like it's it's more of a category of food. Mm-hmm. It's just baked goods. <laughs> You're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I I I think Morgus love savory things but i i i definitely think morgus i I mean it it it's kind of just whatever is in front of us and whatever is improvised but uh the evidence that has come about by playing morgus is that he 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 loves those croissants and he loves like like fresh fruit and this and that and the other thing so I, i i definitely think it's baked goods of all varieties yeah ha well another question i think i know the answer to this one but what is Morgus's favorite color? Oh, blue. Yeah, I knew that. Like, like a rich royal <laughs> blue. Absolutely. Yeah. All the glitter bombs in combat. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, when I was making his like mini um, online, I, I decided to just, this is a wizard. <laughs> I'm going to go full wizard. It's not easy to see, but he actually has gold eyeshadow on and he has like that, that same blue color, like his nails are painted, 
you know, that's not an important detail, but it matters to me because I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's flashy. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Last question for you. Okay. It's hard to ask you questions because I know you don't know a lot about Morgus, really. <clears throat> yeah. But what are Morgus's thoughts about Mysheria? Pretty neutral. Um, much like everything that Morgus interacts with, it's new and fascinating, and he 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 would like to read more about Mysheria. He's he's absolutely run into Mysheria at every turn, being with the court and being in Florencia. Being with the court specifically has given him, I think, a unique uh, uh, first impression mm-hmm. of Mysheria. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think he he thinks more about Mysheria as a function of society and the type of figurehead that she is to the society rather than um it's i i would say morgus has um an atheistic or agnostic view of mysheria like like to sum that up yeah i think that's that's it's a good accompaniment to the party um yeah it's not one that i have expected or that i expected when this party set out or came together rather yeah that so many would be skeptical but i mean it's part of the journey of the campaign as well like like you just said, I feel like if Morgus's entrance to the campaign had been the dream from the beginning, yeah, maybe that would be different. But because mm-hmm. it was through the lens of the Carousel Court and that knowledge, and then Godfrey and Scylla both coming to the game through that lens as well, it just added to the drama there with Livy, who was skeptical as a historian, but then Ziba, oh. who was like a diehard fangirl. And is now like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, we you, you can't get away from Mysheria's name at any point in this story or campaign. Or the Discord server. Or, or the Discord server, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, and it Mysheria is like the such a core part of the story. And I I I I playing Morgus is is interesting because what's in front of him is unique and and he's like oh yeah my Sharia cool um what are what are we doing right now what's our day-to-day is my Sharia in uh, a part of that is, is like is my Sharia on the list of things that we need to be worried about right now yeah and it's it really not for Morgus so that's He's, he's got a very interesting view. I, I almost wouldn't even say that he's skeptical more as just, um, he's, he's pretty neutral about my Sharia. My, my Sharia hasn't, um, stood in the way, whether, whether that's my Sharia herself or, um, the institution that is my Sharia has, mm-hmm. ha- hasn't really stood in the way just yet. Um, so yeah, Morgus, Morgus doesn't actually think too much about my Sharia, which I think might be weird. For characters in this world. Yeah. 
you know, displaced from time and all. Yeah. Oh, that was a spoiler. <laughs> was it? You already said that. I might have said that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. I, I mean, at this point, if if it's not already obvious, then. Yeah, there, there are a go. few things. I wish that our like Reddit boards and fandom were more active from people yeah. um, only so that I could know what our 20 listeners are thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, we could talk forever and I know this and I don't know. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much, <laughs> listeners. Uh, if you want to see Daniel's dice palette, that is going to be a Patreon photo feature um, mm-hmm. for any of our Patreon levels, so even the $1 tier. So if you want to see the the beautiful palette uh, from Emerald Sun, join our Patreon. Please. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.